You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 89. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today's guest is Evan Helly. Evan is the co-founder of Duckworth, a sheep-to-shop retail brand. In today's interview, Evan will tell us all about Duckworth in a moment. But first, let me welcome Evan to the show. Evan, how are you today? It's so good to be talking to you. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And actually, you and I met already in person by coincidence. We both attended the IWTO Congress. And you came up to me saying, oh, I, I know your show and I would be interested in being on your show. And I actually also had Duckworth on my list of potential guests. So I'm really happy that we can do the interview today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and did you have a good time in Hong Kong at the Congress? I did. It was really fun. It was uh, interesting. I got to meet a lot of new people and learn uh, a lot of things about the international textile wool textiles market and, and really enjoyed it <laughs> excellent yeah i also had a great time and it's always inspiring and you get to meet new people so yeah let's start by you telling us or introducing yourself um and tell us about the work that you do in the wool industry please sure so i'm evan helly a fourth generation sheep rancher here in southwest montana and uh, my family raises rambolet sheep And I'm also heavily involved in our Duckworth project, which is our sheep-to-shelf uh, wool apparel company. And it's a vertically integrated business that allows us to add value to the wool from our ranch. And have you always, like, I mean, as a boy, you probably already helped on the farm. Was it always clear for you that you want to continue working in the wool industry? Uh, yeah, so I grew up on the ranch, and uh, I was always interested in, in working on the ranch and enjoyed it. Um, honestly, if you would have asked me back then if I would have ever been in the textiles industry, I probably would have said no. But uh, here I am in the textiles industry, and uh, by uh, some good fortune, and things are working out really well now. Yeah, so take us through uh, yeah, what you call a project Uh, Duckworth. So tell us a little bit more about Duckworth. Sure. So Duckworth is a source verified uh, made in the USA merino apparel brand. Uh, we make everything from base layer to outerwear. Uh, and Duckworth features my family's ranch as the source of its wool. So we show our customers transparency throughout the production process. And we also spin our own custom yarns, knit our own custom fabrics uh, to make sure that we have high quality, all the way from sheep to shelf, which we've trademarked. And does the, I'm curious, does the uh, brand name Duckworth mean anything or where does it come from? Uh, so it's kind of a funny story. Uh, when we first started Duckworth, uh, we had a brand developer helping us and he kind of had this idea already sketched out. And Uh, the name Duckworth came from an old factory owner that he had met when he was younger that left an impression. He was kind of a crusty old guy. Uh, and the, the name Duckworth really just kind of had an iconic uh, uh, name to it and appearance to it. So it's kind of a good brand name that uh, is kind of a classic American uh, type sound to it. 
but it doesn't have a meaning in English. Or? Nope, no, no uh, nothing to do with ducks or anything like that. <laughs> it always takes people a little bit to get used to it, but after after you get used to it, it really does kind of have the iconic brand name that we're looking for. Yeah, no, I like the name. I just as a, not like a, English being my second mother, uh, th second language. I I was wondering if it had a meaning that I didn't know. And before we talk more about Duckworth, um, can you give me also a little bit more of a history about your family? You said you're fourth generation, and tell me a little bit more about your ranch and your family. Sure. So we're wo located in southwest Montana, which is in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, we're actually near uh, Yellowstone National Park. Um, so the ranch kind of all got... Uh, I guess our family got started into the sheep business when my great-great-grandfather uh, ended up selling his, the family car because his parents had passed away, and he ended up buying sheep at the age of 18. And I think he bought like a dozen ewes and a couple and a ram, I think. And uh, so that's how they kind of started the flock. And and interestingly, it's there we're living just a hundred yards from where I'm living now, and. Uh, Our ranch is kind of a, a important to Montana because the first sheep that were ever brought into Montana were actually brought to Carter Creek, which is the creek that goes right through our, our headquarters in our ranch. Uh, so we run about 10,000 head of Rambolets now, and we have a retained uh, weathers and ewe lambs that we keep for wool, and we also sell them for, for breeding stock. Uh, we run on private, public, and national forest. So we lease a lot of uh, other people's private land as well. Uh, we graze a lot of crop residue in the in the winter time, so so farmland. And uh, in the summertime, we're up on national forest where there's actually no fences, and so we have to keep all of our bands of sheep separate with uh, sheep herders. And we have uh, Peruvian sheep herders, um, so there's a lot of horses and dogs involved, um, and it's it's kind of a classic way of running sheep that we do it here and we also like i mentioned sell purebred uh stock so we sell rams and replacement ewes as well and um why peruvian sheep herders <laughs> are they well known for their sheep herding skills or how did you get to work with them? yeah so they are they are good uh sheep herders um there's actually a program that we use to, to get them in on work visas. And so they apply for a sheep herding job in Lima, Peru, and we get their resumes here in the States and end up bringing them in on three-year work contracts. And it's been a really good program for all the sheep ranchers here in this area. Uh, we use a lot of Peruvian sheep herders. They're good with the sheep. They're kind of acclimated to the climate and uh, really good with, with animals. And they stay with the flock uh, the whole time then while they're yep. out in the mountains. Okay. The, yeah, they do. They stay with the flock year round, and uh, they actually sleep in a small sheep wagons. They're little four four wheeled wagons, kind of like the classic uh, wagons that people pioneered this area on. And they each get two horses and about five dogs, and they and they stay with the sheep year round. So during the summer, you don't see your sheep that often. Then. Uh, yeah, you have to travel a long ways to see them. Uh, we actually check on those guys weekly and bring them supplies and everything. Um, but they're pretty remote. Okay. 
And put into perspective, you said you run 10,000 views. Um, is that a big operation within the US? So just put it a little bit into perspective. Yeah, in the US, it's pretty big operation. There aren't very many that, uh, this size. Okay. Yeah, and I think we talked uh, on also to Rita Samuelson from the American Sheep Industry Association, and she also talked a little bit about that. So for anyone who wants to find out more, can can listen to that interview. And yeah, so we already uh, discussed that the sheep go up into the mountains during summertime. Can you maybe complete kind of the year cycle of a sheep's life on your ranch? Sure. So uh, everything kind of starts uh, here at the ranch in the springtime uh, around March. And the used lamb uh, here, we actually shed lamb because there's so many predators here. Uh, we have to, to lamb them in a barn. Um, and then once they're done lambing in, in about March, we uh, start going up in this time of year to the, our private land, which is kind of a sagebrush step type. Uh, landscape and then uh, they kind of the the lambs get older and bigger and they and they're growing and by the time July comes it's time for our annual sheep trail and this is where we take them on a migration uh, that's about 40 miles up over mountain passes and rivers to get to the summer range and it's a it's a project that takes about five days and uh, once we get that done it's kind of uh, the summer starts for us and we're up on the national forest. So we spend about three months up there. So we're actually crossing snow drifts on the way up as the snow is just starting to melt up there. And uh, on the way out, we're actually being chased out by snow. So our summertime in the higher elevations in Montana is, is really only three months. So once we bring those down out of the, out of the summer range, uh, there's typically uh, weaning going on, so we wean the lambs. And most people in the in the Rockies here truck a lot of their lambs, so they sell them to for meat. And uh, what we do is we actually retain a lot of our lambs, and so we keep them uh, in anticipation of shearing in the spring. So uh, a lot of the lambs that we actually do wean off, we take down to the lower elevations. Uh, and graze them on crop residue. So lots of farmers here are actually changing their practices of leaving a little bit of crop residue on their fields so that we can go in and graze them, uh, graze with sheep. And that provides natural fertilizer and it's good for their crops. Um, so then we start breeding in the fall and then uh, towards the middle of the winter time uh, in near January, we have to start feeding our sheep because there's too much snow. And at this time of the year, we're all the way back down uh, at the ranch. Um, so I guess what I didn't mention is up in the summer range is about 10,000 feet, or I guess 3,000 meters. Uh, here at the ranch, we're at about 5,000 feet, so pretty big elevation change. But even this low, we get a lot of snow, so we end up feeding the sheep hay. And um, by the time early March comes around, it's time to start shearing sheep again. And then towards the end of March, we're lambing, and that's the kind of the full cycle. Wow, yeah, that sounds like a very diverse uh, life for sheep in Montana. And tell me, the, when you say this five days of trailing up to the summer camp, 
Is then everyone kind of of the Heli family involved? Do you go on that trail as well, or? Yeah. So, yeah. So we're all involved. Uh, there's a lot of uh, shuttling of moving the sheep wagons up, and the sheep herders need lots of help for this for this trail because there's uh, mountain passes to cross and rivers to cross, and so we get on horseback and the sheep are moved up through there. And we take our time, so we're, we graze along slowly. The sheep basically graze all the way up, and so it's not like we're racing up there. But um, it takes a whole uh, family to get the job done. Yeah, well, it sounds like a very nice uh, family event <laughs> to be doing that all together. Okay, okay. now let's turn back to, to Duckworth. Um, so tell me, what is the reason why you started Duckworth? So uh, our family's been growing high-quality wool for a long time, and my dad really pushed that. Um, he really wanted to grow a better uh, quality wool clip, and he wanted to, to add value to it, and he started doing that. But what he realized is it's hard to get a premium on a higher-quality wool clip unless you have a, a niche market or a special project to involve that wool in. And so he had been working with a couple other small brands that were trying to start in the U.S. and uh, trying to sell his wool into specific markets that he could get more money from. And eventually we were fortunate enough to be approached by a brand developer who had this idea for a wool company. And uh, it was just right up my dad's alley, and he thought it was a great uh, thing to do. And so we have essentially assembled kind of a dream team to put this together. And so we have... Uh, brand development specialists. We had product development specialists, and we also had our own, uh, or still have our own wool tech, uh, wool technologist that can help us develop all these different fabrics and garments. And uh, a biz also, we were partnered with a local business owner who had the infrastructure to start a um, a store, a clothing store, and from there it kind of just uh, started from the bottom up and we've always had the mantra uh, from sheep to shelf and so approaching everything from a sheep to shelf uh, type of, of thinking, a way of thinking uh, allows us to create great products from, from the wool that we have and adding value at every stage which in turn makes a really good product for the end consumer. And tell me, or walk me through the supply chain. So obviously we start on your ranch with your sheep and then how does the wool move along? So after uh, we're done shearing on the ranch, uh, all the wool goes to South Dakota, which is where there's a wool warehouse. And there we do our uh, objective measurement. Uh, we core test all our bales of wool. And then after that, it all goes to South Carolina and That's where we start the first stages of production, which is scouring and combing into top. And then from there, it kind of stays in the Carolinas. Uh, we have about a dozen different factories that we work with to do the production. Um, so each factory kind of specializes in a, a one stage of the production. So they specialize in something like spinning or knitting and it, it stays in the South for the most part, with the exception of some production in New England and some in uh, actually in Chicago, which is another uh, small uh, textiles industry. Um, so a lot of the American manufacturers specialize in, 
and polyester or polyester cotton now. Um, so we kind of have a unique ability to uh, some to access unique machines in the in the cotton industry to tie, kind of take something from a different perspective. And so our cut and sew is also in in uh, North Carolina. And once all the cut and sew is done, the garments are shipped back up to us, and we distribute out of actually Idaho, which is very close to Montana, and uh, it goes to the consumer from there. And you have, you said you have a retail store, but you mainly sell otherwise online, or how does it work? Yes, so we actually have quite a few retail stores across the U.S. Um, many of them are located in the Rocky Mountain region, kind of where we are. Um, the Duckworth brand really resonates with that customer. Uh, we also have uh, distributors in Japan and Singapore and Canada as well. But you, you say the bulk of your sales goes through the website or which part? Yeah, so, so the, we started Duckworth really pushing our wholesale market. And in, in the last year, it's our online business has quickly surpassed the, the wholesale market. I think there's a big uh, movement towards the, the online retail market because I think consumers just have such easy access to it. And they can see the brand stories the way the brands want to tell them easier. And I think the, the online marketing is, is so easy to do and it's so effective that uh, our online market has really grown well. Mm. And did, are you doing like the online part or do you have someone helping you? Yeah, we have staff in, in Duckworth uh, that does that for us that are really good at that. Okay, excellent. Um, you already mentioned in the beginning that you started Duckworth to add value to the supply chain, um, along the supply chain for your wool. Can you tell us a few other benefits that you've now experienced and maybe also talk about kind of the challenges you had um, by yeah, getting involved in the whole supply chain? So the benefits of kind of having this whole American supply chain and overseeing the whole supply chain is that we have complete control over what and how we make everything. And we also uh, can really uh, control our quality really well. So at every stage, we have an opportunity to improve quality. And we also uh, can help prove our source verification as well. Uh, since we retain ownership of the wool all the way through to the finished product, we we know that we have that source verification. And we also have an ability to develop at every single stage. Uh, some of the hurdles are uh, logistics because it moves from factory to factory. And since I, uh, like I said, there's each factory kind of specializes in one type of this production stage. There's a lot of logistics to that. And one of the risks is uh, a risk of, of ruining fabric that since we own it, uh, it's kind of on us if it gets ruined. And that's one of the one of the risks that we had. And that was one of the hurdles in starting the business because we didn't really know exactly what we were doing and we were doing running trials and trying new things. And that was one of the challenges in starting. But it's a good model because we ultimately have control over what we make. We're keeping the knowledge of what and how we make things in-house and 
it also you know allows us to to develop and create new ideas or to uh, improve products at every single stage of the production process. Yeah, and you just mentioned that you had faced these this, these challenges of having the risks of of you know uh, have losing some or like. Uh, having damage done to the fabric. Is there something like a learning that you had that you could share that others can benefit from? Yeah, well, uh, we couldn't have started Duckworth without uh, just jumping in headfirst and trying new things. Um, we did make mistakes and that's part of the development process and that's part of getting new things made and Uh, we learned a lot from that, and in the end, it's it's something that's harmless. And and from those mistakes, we learned a lot, and um, we also developed a lot of great products just in trying new things. And you never know what you can get unless you try something. <laughs> that's very wise, yes. And in on your website, I also saw that you mentioned that your mission is to resurrect the lost art and craft of American wool. Can you tell me a little bit more about this history of American wool or the American wool industry and why it is so important to preserve this? So 50 years ago, we actually had about 6 million sheep. And since then, the numbers have dwindled substantially. And a lot of that's due to economic factors. Um, and also another interesting thing is wealthy ranches Uh, that were kind of built and and purchased with, by running sheep actually converted to cattle because it's it's easier. Um, and so American the American textiles industry kind of started to slow down when production moved to Asia. Um, that was kind of in the rebirth of the, the man-made fibers era that, that we saw. And the art and skills of those those workers kind of left as well. And so, When we started Duckworth, there was actually no factories we could call up and just say, hey, we want a 150-gram jersey, 100% merino base layer and, you know, an orange. <laughs> and nobody would actually be able to provide that. We actually had to forge the whole supply chain ourselves. And uh, so we are fortunate to enough to have our own wool technologists with at least 40 years of experience. And... Uh, we've been able to start creating jobs for people and building that knowledge back. And we're actually seeing factories who are ready to invest in new equipment for us because they see this resurgent of Made in America. And I think the new the new Made in America is really going to focus on quality over quantity. So we're going to see a lot of high-quality uh, artisan-type production coming out of the U.S., And it's been really rewarding to see that, to see that being an improvement. Yeah, and another thing um, you mentioned on the website is that it's also important, and you just mentioned that as well, um, to to keep the wool science and the knowledge locally. And and that brings me to the question: and like, how are you working on innovations for your brand? And you mentioned a few times that you've been able to develop really innovative. Products. So maybe tell us a little bit about those products and how you yeah, reach that kind of innovative level. So when we were kind of forging our own supply chain, we really got our hands dirty in every stage of the production. 
Um, and like I said, our mantra from sheep to shelf really uh, helps us with that development. So we always look at our wool clip every year and we see, we see the different measurements on the wool and we know, okay, this wool is going to be really good for making this product. So we question every single stage. We improve products at, at every single stage. And it allows us to have a very nimble production as well here producing in the U.S. Uh, you know, our, our production times are typically half the lead times of that you see in Asia because we're so consolidated here with all of our production and mostly in the South. Um, so people are really seeing a, a, a interest in one of the products that we've made that's uh, a wool alternative to down. So we've actually made jacket jackets with fill made out of wool, and uh, that's something that we found from the from just knowing that there's some factories around that make bedding. And um, another interesting thing is, you know, the U.S. textiles industry is predominantly known for its cotton production, and so we actually have access to different machines that are specialized in cotton, and we're we are actually trying different ways of running wool on that. And it allows us to take a different approach and we're able to make uh, interesting products like really lightweight fleeces that are extremely warm for how lightweight they are. Uh, we're also making uh, unique yarns that behave differently than, than other typical yarns would. And all that in-house uh, knowledge is, is kind of used to build upon and we're not kind of beholden to to a factory where we're buying products and asking for what they have new. We're actually telling these factories, hey, we got this great idea for this. How can you help us develop uh, this new product? Yeah, and what I saw from looking at your products is also that um, you have wool, a wool polyester blend. Um, what, what's the reason for blending with polyester? And also, I always wonder, where's the sustainability story then coming in when you use synthetics? Yeah, so synthetics do help the performance of, of wool, depending on the garment you're making. Polyester actually uh, helps wick very, very well, and wool with the warming factor Uh, they blend really well together. We actually do use recycled polyester whenever we can. And uh, we're actually aware of the, the microfiber problem that's in the environment. And we're changing some of our production to move away from that, those, those microfibers that cause problems. And we're looking at alternatives that we can do there. And, um, you know, we also uh, like to use some, of the, some other uh, uh, man-made fibers to Uh, bring up the strength of wool. We also can use it for um, other purposes like setting fabrics and things like that. So it all is used strategically to help improve the quality of the, the garment. Okay, that sounds cool. And uh, yeah, who would be your typical customer? You said you have a lot of retail stores in, uh, near you who, who like to buy where people like to buy Duckworth but how would you describe your typical customer? So the Duckworth customer is somebody who wants a better quality garment and they want something that enriches their outdoor experience so we really have an outdoor kind of roots to our brand um, our customer is typically somebody who understands wool and they care about 
how it was made and actually where it came from. So they want to invest time in researching their product and they also want to invest in quality gear. So they're not really just here to buy uh, apparel. They're here to buy gear and they, and they use it for, for whatever outdoor activities they're, they're doing. Um, they really are typically somebody who does not want to buy disposable type clothing. They want to buy something that lasts. And another question related to, to the customer. Um, why do you think more and more customers are interested to know more about the products they buy? Why do they want to have the full story about their product? So consumers are getting uh, more and more concerned with, with the environment. Um, there's a big revolution towards natural products. Uh, you see a lot of resurgence in things like wool, cotton, and leather. And people really want to have that kind of uh, natural product because it makes it, them feel better about uh, the environment, that they're not doing any harm. Um, so, you know, another really important thing to them is also sustainability. They see a lot of um, growing uh, use of resources and dwindling uh, land to do it on. And so sustainability is a really important um, um factor in people's purchasing and you know Duckworth is is specifically built around that we're sustainable I mean I'm the fourth generation uh, running the sheep ranch if we've been doing it this long we've obviously been very sustainable um, there's a big movement in farm to table now where people are wanting to buy local food that's hasn't been uh, shipped around to a bunch of different places or frozen for a long time and they are able to see that traceability and where it came from. It's kind of a pride thing in, in what you purchase that you know that um, there's no unknowns about it and you're proud of, of where it came from and, and what it took to make it. Um, there's also a huge push here in, for Made in the USA. Um, and, and, you know, another thing that really helps with, with Duckworth that people are really interested in is the prominence of Montana. You know, this is kind of the pioneer of the West. There was a huge Western movement and that's kind of gaining popularity again. It's kind of the adventure of, of the outdoors and people are curious to, to get out and, and explore for themselves. And there's a very authentic story that's with Duckworth um, because we're a, a longstanding ranch here that's that's uh, just naturally authentic and people love the, the story. And we tell the story about the ranch and it's very interesting to them because they learn, uh, learn about something they didn't know, you know, they didn't, you know, realize what it took to raise sheep and shear wool and, and make clothing out of it. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a really big, um, sorry, how do I put this? Uh, people are very interested in, uh, discovering that, they can understand how something is made. It's so simple. The sheep graze on grass, they grow wool, we shear it off, and then we make clothing, and the whole cycle starts over again. And that's something that people can really relate to and comprehend, and it's not uh, something that's uh, hard to understand, like how do you make a polyester yarn type of thing. People don't get it. They don't want to know how it's made, but but um, you know, livestock are understandable, and I think people really appreciate that. Mm, it's like easier to connect to that story than exactly. just something happening in a factory. Yeah. 
And you also, part of telling that story is that you invite brand ambassadors to your ranch every year. Tell us a little bit more about that. So every year we host an event called uh, Shear and Shred. So we bring brand ambassadors, sales reps, uh, designers, shop owners, journalists, and investors. So it's this big combination of people that are so different. And we let them get their hands dirty on the ranch. So it's actually when we shear uh, our first uh, band of sheep. So they come in and they get to see the shearing for themselves. They get to put their hands in wool. And it really helps them understand Uh, what it actually takes you know you can tell somebody well this is how we shear the sheep and this is what it looks like you can show them pictures and videos but it's not until they get to feel the lanolin on their hands and they get to smell the wool and see the sheep and actually be there for themselves when it really sinks in on on what on what it takes and how interesting it is and so they get to see the ranch for themselves uh, they get to shoot guns and ride dirt bikes and drink beer by a campfire And that's the kind of stuff that really uh, brings a lasting impression. And it's also the kind of lifestyle of the, the target con customer that we have with Duckworth is that kind of uh, outdoorsman person who gets to do whatever and uh, be out exploring. And it's a lot of the freedom type things that come with being in the outdoors uh, that people are attracted to. And so we provide that experience for a lot of people who don't actually get to do that. And Anyways, after that first day of shearing, we actually go skiing at a local ski resort here called Maverick Mountain. It's a very small ski resort, so uh, one chairlift, a very small little cabin for a lodge, and uh, it's a very uh, grassroots type experience. Uh, everybody gets to meet the other local ranchers who ski. I mean, there's people there who ski in cowboy hats and, and jean jackets. Um, We get to go to the hot springs afterwards, and so it's really an authentic experience it's staying the night in cabins, and it's something that people don't typically get to do, but it's something that you know isn't too uh, uh, different from what we do on the ranch and how we live on the ranch, and that kind of lifestyle is really appealing to people, and so getting a chance to experience that allows all our ambassadors to tell the Duckworth story in their own words, from their own experience. And that in turn makes them better ambassadors uh, for the brand, and it really helps them uh, transfer that, that story to, to new customers and to other people. Okay, that sounds amazing. I wish I could participate as well. <laughs> that sounds really good. Okay, well, thank you so much, Evan, for explaining us everything about Duckworth as well as about your ranch. Um, where can our listeners find out more about Duckworth? So check out duckworthco.com. Uh, there we have, of course, all of our products. Uh, we also have a journal page, which features uh, seasonal ranch stories and links to reviews and videos. Um, you can also just Google Duckworth Wool to get an unedited outside view of our company. Um, You can also subscribe to our newsletter uh, from our website, and that'll get you uh, inside offers and uh, journal updates, which we provide updates, seasonal updates on the ranch. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, but I highly recommend following us on Instagram, where I provide inside stories to the ranch and the daily dealings of 
of dealing with sheep and the jobs that it takes and picturesque views of the mountains and, and all of that, which is great to kind of get an inside view of what it takes to run a sheep ranch and, and also an apparel company. Great. And I will make sure to also link to all of the sites and links that you just mentioned in the show notes so that it's really easy to find everything in one place. Well, thank you so much, Evan. I really enjoyed talking to you and all the best for you and your family and for Duckworth. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Great. Thank you and bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Evan Haley. If you want to find out more about Duckworth, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 089. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 089. I really enjoyed that you were listening today. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.